Well, as Stephen's going to come up, I'm going to introduce Stephen Phelan, who was, if you didn't hear at the beginning, our retreat speaker, our men's retreat speaker. Uh, and you're in for a blessing. He was a huge blessing to the men this weekend. Uh, but just a quick intro. Uh, I heard of Stephen, I didn't, until the first service, didn't remember this. Bradford heard of Stephen at Auburn, this guy from Montgomery playing football at UVA, this Montgomery lure. And then I knew his wife, who was two years ahead of me at Auburn. They got married. Uh, he did undergrad at UVA, law school at UVA, and then they went to plant a church uh, in urban San Diego, a multi-ethnic church there for 13 years, uh, planted a church, part of a network of church plants, uh, and then has recently been called the Bradford, uh, Bradford and Stephen and four children, called back to Charlotte uh, for, I'll let him tell you, chief pastoral officer. Uh, he'll tell you a little bit more about that, but blessing at the 9 a.m. It's going to be a blessing at the 1045. We're glad you're here. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Hey, let's stand up because we're about to hear from King Jesus, and when he's in the room, we're going to stand up and be in attention to what he has to say to us from Romans chapter 8. We're only going to read verses 5 and 6. It's actually in ESV in your program. I'm going to read in NIV. We're going to give you all kinds of translations. We thought about Greek and Hebrew because we're so smart in Durham, but we're just going to stick with NIV. I'm going to read it. It'll be here for you as well. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The word of the Lord. You didn't, know, you didn't get the cue there. So, see, in our church in San Diego, when I said the word of the Lord, the church would jubilantly, ex with excitement and passion, say, thanks be to God. Okay, we're going to practice again. Ready? The word of the Lord. Okay, you may be seated. Good work. Hey, uh, let me tell you how excited I am about what God is doing here. Daniel and I have had a chance to talk over the years and so for me to be here and see firsthand what God is doing in and through you is awesome. I love, it's a dream that has become a reality in the making here. And uh, it reminds me, you know, <laughs> I have had this lifelong dream. If only this one thing could happen in my life. And Amazingly enough, it's happened. You know, my lifelong dream has always been to be the pastor of a mortgage company. And I've finally arrived. I'm like, how did this happen? I'm the pastor of a what? Who does that and has that? And it's just kind of a crazy ride that the Holy Spirit takes you on. And you just, you just kind of put your hands up on the roller coaster and say, let's go. Uh, God, we're in. And man, the ride is it's full of this, but it's fun. And Bradford and I transitioned from California to Charlotte because God's in it and the Holy Spirit is in it. And my buddy Casey Crawford, we played football together at UVA, have been best friends ever since. And he called me back in 2008 and he said, hey, bro, man, will you, will you fast and pray with me? I think God's calling me to start this mortgage company. I said, man, I'm not even going to pray about that. I said, it's just a bad idea. I don't even need to pray. Bro, you need to get out more. Like, you got to just turn on the TV, CNN, Fox, doesn't matter what channel. The world is blowing up right now because of that industry. He said, no, man, no. We have a chance 
we have a chance in an industry full of corruption and greed. We have a chance to enter in and love and value people so that Jesus Christ is glorified. And I said, all right, I'll pray about that. I'm with you on that. And God just really clearly spoke to Casey and called him to cap his income, live moderately, and really put his money where his mouth was that this company was to be about the kingdom of God. And praise God, Casey's been faithful to that. He has lived that out and has now uh, given away over 99% and has kept less than one. That's a pretty good giving ratio. Uh, and God just keeps blessing it and keeps pouring out more and more. And, and now there's over 5,000 employees since 2008. Um, it's just a, a, a God story. And, you know, we were just talking recently. We were convicted and challenged by somebody who said, you know, uh, we're thinking about different things. And I think we're like number six largest in the country mortgage company now. And, and the talk of number one, we said, you know, really, if we become so one, is it if we become number one, it seems like so what? The question is, so what or so that? See, number one largest mortgage company in the world, it's kind of like, well, so what? But this company was started so that Christ is glorified. So that Christ gets glory in anything and everything that we do. And so we've started worship nights once a month at our operations centers. And we're starting charter schools with faith-wrapped services. And we're starting dream centers, which we're calling movement centers, where we're bringing together Christian nonprofits and church plants in the inner city, and we're planning a church a month, and we're sending mission tip, mission trips a month, and we bought a farm in Africa, a 1,300-acre farm, to create sustainable jobs alongside of church planning, and we're trying to have everyone settled in homes in a process that loves and values people for the common grace and common good of the city so that King Jesus is glorified so that... Our lives should reflect so that, because the question of so what at the end of the day is just that, so what? So Billy Graham did that well. We celebrate this week, a life lived so that Christ is glorified. The opposite of that was a lawyer that I knew, we were at lunch, and he said, you know, I am uh, the top billing attorney five years in a row at my firm. And I was kind of like, so what? Like, and he's begging me to ask him how many hours he billed. And it, it, it was a so what type question. We are called so that Christ Jesus is glorified. How do we do that? Well, the question is answered through two words, Holy Spirit. The men know we spent the weekend talking about the role of the Spirit. And if we live Spirit-filled lives then we will live so that Christ is glorified. So some of you say, well, Pastor Stephen, how do you do that? How do we live a life that is spirit-filled? Glad you asked that question. Uh, so much of it starts with our mind. Wally Rayner, guy I play football with, he said, Phelan, you got to get your mind right. you got to get your mind right. And he was prophetic. He was speaking prophetically about the spiritual journey, the spirit-filled life, because it starts with getting our minds right, and we're going to see that in Romans 5 and 6. We actually get governed 
mind. We get, a, we get a governor that's placed on our mind that leads to a spirit-filled life. So if you look at verses 5 and 6, notice the contrast. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So there's two ways to live, according to the flesh or according to the Spirit. Now, according to the flesh is kind of weird Christian jargon. If you're not a Christian, you're here going, that sounds weird. Sounds like Hannibal Lecter-esque. I don't get it. No, we're, we're not talking about like literally, we're, we're talking about the desires that we have. The flesh is symbolic in the, in the Bible of desires that we have that get bent or curved inward on ourselves. And so when we live according to the flesh, we put me, myself, and I at the center of the world. And we have cravings that are all about me, myself, and I. Whereas God called us to live according to the Spirit. And when we live according to the Spirit, we love God and love people. Those are the desires of our heart is to love God and love people, but we get curved in on ourselves. It's called idolatry. We put something else at the center of our life rather than Jesus Christ. But the Spirit is a floodlight for the desires of Christ. It says it's set on Christ. Now, J.I. Packer described this really well. J.I. Packer was talking about uh, the role of the Spirit and the, uh, the floodlighting role of the Spirit. Now think about that. Have you ever been driving through a neighborhood and, you know, you turn over to your wife and you're like, wow, honey, look at that floodlight over there. It is so beautiful. She's like, no, it's a floodlight. Is it like $2.99 at Home Depot? No. What does the floodlight do? The floodlight is flooding light on the home and making the home more beautiful. So you see the home and you're like, oh, wow, that looks so beautiful. Such is the role of the Spirit. The role of the Spirit is to floodlight and spotlight Christ. In fact, John 16, 14, Jesus says, when he says the role of the Spirit, he says, the Spirit will glorify me. The Spirit's role is to glorify me. So let me ask you, is that the warp and woof of your life? Is that what we are making our time, our talent, our treasure about? Floodlighting the glory and beauty of Jesus Christ. Our time, our talent, our treasure. Oh, you know what, you know what betrays us at times and helps us identify whether we are or not? It's a good measuring stick, actually, is our emotional life. How is your emotional life? Are you praising more and worrying less? Or is stress and fear and anxiety and worry gripping your heart? Is your mind constantly drifting towards how am I going to get this done? How are we going to make how and, and worry and just presses in on you? Urban Meyer described this in an article I would encourage all of you to read. He's, it's called I'm Not the Lone Wolf. Urban Meyer won the national championship at Florida in 2006. In 2008, he wins the national championship again. So he has reached the pinnacle of success. Just after the championship, he's in his armchair and he's brooding. And guess what he's thinking about? The one loss. They were 13 and 1. And the thing he's thinking about is the one loss. And then his mind shifts towards 
I got to do it again. Next season's coming up, and I got to recruit, and I got to. No matter what level of success we achieve, tomorrow always happens. And we have to get up and we have to do it again. And so Urban Meyer began to get really stressed out. He started to forget to eat. And over time, he lost 40 pounds. Not only that, he was struggling to sleep. He was popping pills and chasing them down with beer at night to sleep. His wife, thankfully, oh, it's great to have a good wife, who will speak into your life like my beautiful wife Bradford does. Love her. His wife comes to him at his moment of greatest stress, and here's what she said. Urban, you have got to have an outlet. You've got to do something. You've got to stay healthy. Listen to this lie. How many of us have said this? I don't have time. You ever use that one? I don't have time. I'm crazy busy. You don't understand my schedule right now. You don't know the demands at work right now. Over and over, like a mantra, I don't have time. What's 30 minutes less of film, Urban? You can't take 30 minutes and go run on the treadmill? No, I don't have time. Shelly said, it was just a big mountain of pressure, stress, lack of control, and not accepting what he couldn't control. He was not accepting that he couldn't control everything. Can I get an amen from the control freaks out there? Woo, don't we like that control? Ow! And it just kills us when we can't have it. And Urban is the same way, and you feel it. When life feels out of control, man, we want to grip the wheel. And he couldn't do it, and it was killing him because Shelly says he's a perfectionist. He wants to win every game. He wants to win every championship. And listen to this. This is a wife for you. That's just not clear thinking. You can't win every time. But when he was in the middle of it, he couldn't think clearly. So what Urban had to do was he had to get his mind right. And he began to pursue mental health in in different capacities and was able to actually transition back into the game as a coach, as most of you know, if you have any Buckeye fans in the room. And Urban now has this, uh, what he calls his get right place, his desk, with Bible verses tacked around that remind him of a clear thinking mind. Here's what he says. He tells himself, audience of one, it may be his most powerful mental tool. When old Urban's old thoughts start to take hold again, his mind running wild with worry, with winning, with pleasing people that fill the stadium, he says he remembers his coach saying, do you think when you come before God, he's going to ask you about your win-loss record? Really, do we think when we come before God, he's going to say, man, you lost that account last week. How dare you? What's wrong with you? You didn't get that promotion at work? Really? What a loser. No. Audience of one was Urban's most powerful mental tool. What he was doing is he was getting his mind right. Now, verse 6 is how we as followers of Jesus get our minds right to live a spirit-filled life. Look at verse 6. This is so powerful. I can't tell you how many times 
I have repeated this verse in the middle of the night. When I start to get anxious, when things go south, I, I repeat this verse right here. The mind, govern, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Hallelujah. Now, let me tell you some really good news. It is actually possible for your mind to be governed by the governor of the universe. The king of kings is intent and bent on governing our minds, on changing the worry, the fear, the stress, the anxiety to the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I want all those things. Streams of living water flowing out of us. He says, if you drink this water, you will never thirst. Wow. Look at what's, what he's offering to us. This is huge stuff, a governed life. The key is the governor. So what is that, Pastor Stephen? Well, think of a sea-do. Ever, anybody ever ridden a sea-do? Well, on a sea-do, my, uh, my brother-in-law has a sea-do, and there's two keys. This is going to be revelatory for my kids who are here because they never knew that there were actually two keys to the sea-do. Uh, there's a blue key, which is the key of death. And the key of death is governor-free. And you are free to go and kill yourself at 80 miles an hour over the water. Or wisdom has actually given a green key, and it's the key of life. And if you plug the key of life in, it actually has a governor that keeps you at a sane level of speed as you're traveling over the water on this little death boat. And so what my kids never knew was that there actually were two keys, but there is a governor that will govern you as you go over the waters. As you pass through the waters, I will be with you, Isaiah says. And so is it with life. Jesus says, I will actually govern you. Now, the key that we have to place in, there's a the key that goes in the ignition. There's two keys. Remember, repentance and faith, blue and green. Repentance where is where I've turned to things of death. I've set my mind on the desires of the flesh. And we do that from time to time. And what we have to do is, I was walking this direction, we have to stop, turn up to Jesus and say, please govern my mind, turn me around. And then I'm going to put in another key, which is the key of life. That's called faith. And I'm going to begin to walk a journey of faith with a governed mind, with the king of kings, controlling my mind, controlling my thoughts, leaving me on a spirit-filled life so that Jesus is glorified. So, so I'm not living a so what life, a so that life. Jesus is glorified. Now, friends, it happens once and for all, and it happens daily. Some of you are not yet Christians, and you're here struggling with this this morning. You're kicking the tires of Christianity. You have to do this in a once-and-for-all type of way, where the King of Kings begins to govern your mind and your heart. A friend of ours uh, walked this journey, and she helped me um, to see this very clearly when we moved in right next door. She was our neighbor, and we moved into the neighborhood and she was convinced that when a pastor moved in next door, the neighborhood had taken a significant downward turn. And uh, at the time, she was an atheist. She was an evolutionary biologist and a lawyer. And so 
she'd had a pretty bad run with the church and was not at all interested. And so what happened is that her guard was, was really up when it came to all things church and pastoral. And, and so what happened is that my wife took over a chicken. It's amazing what a chicken will do. I mean, just guard from here to here, and in fact, come here, and just, and through a chicken, and loving people, just loving your neighbor, ordinary acts of, hey, yeah, bring your kids over, we'd love to have them play in our house, through loving a neighbor, the guard came down, and we began a friendship and a journey where we have these curious discussion forums in our home. And so she came over and was a part of the first one and was eating it up, so much so that she came back for round two, the Curious Discussion Forum, where we ran it a few months later. And she was there and went through it a second time. And she said, you know, it's starting to make sense here. But I, I feel like I need an experience of God. It feels like I'm just thinking these, through, these things through here. But what she was saying was, I need a governor to control my, to let me know that my mind is being acted on by something more than myself. I need an experience here, which comes from a, a power outside of you. And so we, I just said, listen, it's going to happen. God's going to reveal himself to you in his time, in his way, and you'll know. And so sometime later, she comes over and Bradford's out on the front porch and they're sitting there talking and she's describing a dream. It's amazing how the Lord does this and communicates in dreams. And she's describing a dream in which there's a bird. And the bird flies in and <coughs> it's trapped. It's in a cage and it's, it's trying to bump and to get out of the cage. And it's frantically trying to get out of there, but it can't and it's trapped. And, and so Bradford and her are beginning to have a conversation around this. And, and, and Bradford has a way of connecting all things to the story of God and and showing how, hey, you know, in the Bible, um, birds are representative of the spirit and doves and, and having this great conversation. And as they're there talking, they're like, mmm. urban San Diego, our front doors open. And guess what flies into our house? A bird. Are you kidding me? They're like, mmm. and the bird just, and it goes into my son's room. And it's bumping up against the window, frantically trying to get out. And so she goes over and she picks up the bird. What bird lets you pick it up? She goes over and she picks up the bird and brings it out to the front porch and just says, you're free. Turns to Bradford and says, I'm in. Don't you love how God does that? I mean, I'm going to send a bird. And so what she experienced was the power of a God who can break through to her personally and begin to govern the mind in such a way that he's acting on her life. It was funny because I told that story as we begin these worship nights in Virginia. I told this story to um, our company and as we were talking about the bird uh, coming in, we're, we're sitting there, and there was atheists there who were giving their life to the Lord. It was an amazing night. Um, and so we, we go home, and there's a woman who, uh, she sends me a note. She says, you know, I just, I, I need a bird in my life. I, I just need a bird. I need God to send 
me a sign. And so the next day, my phone just starts blowing up right and left. People are calling me. And they're like, have you, have you, have you heard what's going on up here? I was like, no, what? They were like, there's a bird in the building. Literally. At our office, you got to go through two security-coded, door opens, security guard, you go in again, second door, so nothing gets in and out with two closed doors, and then there's like 800 people in this one place, and there's a bird just going, and they can't get it out. It's there all day, the bird's just, and so literally this woman comes into work, remember she said, I need a sign, God, give me a bird, and she's at her desk, and she's like, I mean, it is just beautiful to watch God at work. So let me ask you, what if? What if Matthew 3 happens here in Durham and the heavens open up and the Spirit of God descends on Christ Central for the glory of God and the good of Durham? Our minds get right and we get so filled with the Spirit that you go to your cubicle to love your neighbor. You go to Duke University and say, I'm called by the Lord Jesus Christ to love and value people who are here in the name of Jesus so that Christ is glorified. What will happen in this city if the bird falls on Christ Central and the Spirit so inhabits you and so fills you up that you move out into the city to love and serve? My friends, hear the gospel this morning. It's possible. The good news of the gospel is that it's possible. Why? Because Jesus Christ had a governed mind and a governed heart to glorify his Father in everything he did and in everything he said. Jesus Christ lived the governed life for us, and then Jesus Christ died the death that we deserve. Why? So that. So that. So that we can be justified, so that we can be sanctified, so that we can be glorified, so that we can be set free to live a Spirit-filled life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for giving yourself so fully and so freely so that you tell us we have the mind of Christ what an amazing reality that in and through the Spirit, we can have the governor of the universe to calm our fears and our stress and our worry. And we can go forth in faith to love, full of joy, full of streams of living water. Come, Lord Jesus, pour out your Spirit here on Christ Central to move us into the city full of hearts of love. Amen.